Welcome, welcome everybody to ELL216. And guys, at the top of this show, let me just tell you about our Patreon. A lot of hot stuff going on there. Hot, naked, pic- no, 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 nothing, nothing that dirty. Uh, but we do have a shocking development in the Patreon world for Lions of Liberty, our Lions of Liberty Pride supporters, wherein our Degenerate Gambler season is wrapping up and the Lions trio, me, John Odermatt, and Rico, we had been beaten by several of our paying supporters, which means we have to send those bums free t-shirts. You can take our t-shirts, as long as you give us some money, for as little as $5, go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. And of course, you also get to hear brand new Do Nothing Man episodes as they come out. You'll get to hear Degenerate Gamblers as we go on with that. You'll also get to hear Conspiracy Corners. You get to see live streams of our shows to the Pride page on Facebook. And of course, become a member of that secret group. So check it out, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. What's up, my ham DeLorean peeps out there? Welcome to... Electric Liberty Land 216, show notes at lionsofliberty.com, slash episodes, slash ELL216. Definitely going to be a little bit of a a later show today as far as the length. I had been in the dentist chair once again, I swear to God, I've had more fucking fillings filled in this past three months than I had any other time in my life, just like replacing old fillings because I had a lot of those old magnesium silver fillings in there. Had to get those things replaced because they were leaking and they were old. Had new ones drilled. Ugh, what a nightmare. So anyway, I was back in the chair today and my jaw is sore and I still have a little bit of lost feeling in my upper lip even though I was there at seven in the morning. So anyway, that's the beef with me. What's the beef with you? Where's the beef? Not in Bill Gates' house. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Bill Gates, who wants all rich, quote-unquote, rich nations to eat the uh, synthesized beef. Cool story, Bill. I'll let you know when we come around to that. Also, because uh, my wife got home a little bit earlier with the baby, you guys may hear noises. because I, you know, I record right next to where the kitchen is, uh, where everything's going on. My wife's making dinner. The baby's so early. I was trying to record earlier. And of course, the gardener always comes when I am trying to record. But at least he doesn't come when my wife's home alone and give her the good biz. Because, you know, that's why the gardener always rings twice. But getting into the show today, a lot of people have already given their take about Gina Carano, right? Uh, But I want to weigh in. And as always, these things happen right after I record. But let me weigh in on Gina Carano because I think this is a perfect example of just, you know, that binary thinking wherein people have this immediate visceral response to something. Meanwhile, half of them don't even know what she actually said. Half of them are just reading a secondary news report or some other asshole's tweet calling what she said anti-Semitic, right? That's how you know somebody really didn't read anything and doesn't know what they're talking about in regards to the entire Gina Carano situation. And I do want to point out, too, that, you know, it's funny how quickly the this person who has been outspokenly conservative gets canceled. 
when you see people on the left say heinous things nonstop. And I'll talk about how the hypocrisy of canceling somebody over a, uh, a tweet that references the Nazi regime and how, of course, we have ample examples of people on the left nonstop doing that. But, you know, Gina Carano was a overweight by uh, by Hollywood standards, right? She's a big girl, former MMA girl, but a big girl. She kind of defies the Hollywood stereotype of what a leading lady or any lady really looks like, unless it's a uh, shallow howl extra. But she had broken the mold. She was really one of the first women to get a shot in a, in an action role as a lead. I think she did a couple movies. Like I think maybe, I don't know if the MMA had sponsored or UFC made a movies, but some of the studios had had her in it as a lead role. And, you know, before uh, Rose What's-Her-Face, uh, who sucks, by the way, or this chick, Rose whatever her name is, I think is in the new Bond movie. But Gina Carano really, she broke the mold and was this, you know, plus-size woman out there. Uh, really, I think, giving a lot of other women that probably have her body type some hope and, and some inspiration as to what they could strive for and not be put down. But of course, now she has been sent off to the cornfields for this tweet. Now, let me read you the tweet first. Here's what she posted. Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, dot, 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 even by children. Sad face emoji. Quote, because I don't know why it's quoted here. Uh, because history is edited, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? Now, as others have pointed out, yes, it is, of course, different to say that that is different being rounded up and be, you know, namely because of all the murdering uh, is different from hating somebody because of their political views. But those people are missing the point of what she's saying here. Yes, you could say, oh, it's a lazy comparison because everybody's tossing out comparisons for Hitler nowadays. And it's the default is comparing people to the Nazis. But when we get to the core of this, and I'll tell you why I think I have a unique perspective on this is her message of it takes government making their own neighbors hate them first, right? That was the thing. It's neighbors turning on neighbors. And it's, you know, I tweeted out something along the lines of, I should have brought my own tweet up, but I, I tweeted something out along the lines of the point of what she's saying here is that people had neighbors turning on neighbors and you can't get to the point where you could have millions of people rounded up and gassed and shot without having first given this nod to the fact that you have, you're going to hate your neighbor. You're going to hate this person you've known for years, that they are evil, that they, you know, that you've been brainwashed to turn on them, that you're going to turn them in, that you're going to allow them to be rounded up and taken away and put on trains and shipped off to somewhere. Now, the reason I think I have an interesting perspective on this is because uh, in my communications career, I worked with an organization called Yahad in Unum. Now, Yahad Nunum is a great org. We're actually just, I think, well, I'm probably working with them again very soon. You know, like COVID took out half of the nonprofit budgets in the, in the known world. But Yahad Nunum went around and basically what their goal was, uh, as founded by this French Catholic priest, they he saw that there were all of these mass killings that took place, not in Auschwitz, but in the countrysides in Eastern Europe, you know, so throughout all these different areas that were not just in Auschwitz, you know, it's just not just in Poland, it's 
outside in the fields, in the towns, in the countries where the Nazis would either send out death squads of Nazi soldiers or possibly hire in mercenary groups. And not just Jews, but Roma as well, these traveling gypsies that Hitler absolutely hated. He, he thought the gypsies were uh, to be despised and were below human level, much as he thought of the Jews. So you had people go around and they'd, they'd round up in these small towns, you know, these small groups of Nazis would go in They'd round up these people, they'd shoot them all in the back of the head, and then he'd put them in a mass grave. And most of these were unreported. Uh, Yehada Nunum, by their own accounting, has found you know over a million uh, victims of the what they have called the Holocaust by bullets. But one of the key points that the founder has made, and they've done thousands of interviews with survivors or witnesses, is that none of this can be possible. None of this could happen if you don't have neighbors turning on neighbors, turning in their neighbors, reporting on them, calling in, you know, letting somebody know there's Jews in this town. Come get them. So Gina Carano's tweet and its core message is not just about lazily comparing somebody to saying that the Jews being murdered is just like, you know, this genocide is just like our current state of politics in America. That's not what she's saying. And what she's saying is actually accurate and is pertinent, namely that people were indoctrinated, were brainwashed, were uh, politicized. And that they use propaganda nonstop, beating them over the heads with it, and also limiting what they could hear from different media sources. Of course, you have to presume that Germany was having its news media controlled by Hitler and by the party in, in uh, popularity. But of course, they couldn't have come to popularity without using these same tactics to get people on their side to begin with. You know, Hitler didn't run on "let's kill all the Jews." That's not you know that wasn't the original message, but. Once you have people in this mindset where they're already looking at their neighbors and questioning what's going on, where you have this, this vitriol built up, where you have this people trusting the government, trusting the message, trusting, you know, getting ripped up in this fervor, that's when you can have people say, you know what, I'm going to let this happen. I do hate my neighbor enough to turn them in, even though they might have been living next to me for years. I never knew they were such a horrible person. And you have seen that happen. I mean, for, for Christ's sake. Rand Paul, before, you know, this is years ago now, but Rand Paul's neighbor tackled him and broke his ribs because he was so heavily politicized against Rand Paul. We just witnessed Black Lives Matter, wherein neighborhoods were burned down by the people that live in them, where shops that you know people frequent daily were allowed to be burned to the ground, to be looted, and people were beaten within those shops. One local sheriff, who I think had retired and now is doing personal security for a uh, you know some quick stop store, was shot dead. Now, I doubt somebody drove to whatever little town it was in uh, with the explicit idea that, say, let's go loot in Poughkeepsie and shoot this guy dead. No, I guarantee it was somebody local. But to get to that point where you're willing to turn on your neighbor, where you're willing to rip down and burn your own neighborhood out, I mean, that basically speaks to what she's talking about. So yes, her point stands. Yes, it's a good point. Yes, it's a pertinent point. Does it go too far? No, it doesn't. Because simply saying, well, the end of this scenario is so inconceivably terrible that we should demonize her and cancel her because of making the comparison forgets that we had to lead up to that point and that America is going down that dangerous path. 
that we see her getting canceled. We see the woke mob come after her. We see Lucasfilm fire her from a very prominent position in a show that's insanely popular. Simply for making the comparison, pointing out that we are walking down that path. And then we see proof and concept the very next day. They just, Disney rehired James Gunn, who I, by the way, I love James Gunn work. He directed Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. He wrote them. I think they're great films. I enjoy his work. And I don't think he should have been canceled for some tweets he made joking about pedophilia. But if there's one that somebody could be fired for that I would understand, it would be making jokes about pedophilia when you're a director for Disney, not the person saying, hey, you know, we should really be more considerate, be nicer, more understanding about our neighbors and not just go around hating people because of their political affiliations, because this is the path that we could be going down. One is coming from a legitimate place of kind-heartedness, of trying to to unify the unity, you know, preaching the unity that the Democrats seem to have forgotten that they mentioned, that Joe Biden is completely thrown to the wayside. She's trying to bridge gaps and have more peace. Meanwhile, that's what gets you fired. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, there have been examples of Pedro Pascal, the star of the show, uh, The Mandalorian, using a, a, a equally clumsy comparison where he showed children behind cage, you know, behind a fence in Auschwitz and compared that to children in cages in America. And I remember I was like, having a discussion with a buddy of mine. Where we were discussing this um, over some beers over the weekend. And, you know, he admitted he sees both sides of the equation as one should who has a logical brain. But remember, he's giving a little bit of pushback on the picture Pascal shared of the kids behind the, the fences. And I said, no, man, if anything, this is an exact example of how those things are, are more similar to this than not. Because if Quran is comparing what's been happening with politicization, how we're going down a dangerous path and giving a historically accurate uh, example, which is it is absolutely historically accurate. How is that different or worse than Pascal, who, by the way, he posted a picture of children in cages that wasn't even from the United States, so he doofused that up. But in a similar regard, if you're going to say that it's so heinous to compare these people, that it's a disrespectful or anti-Semitic uh, example to use, then he did the same thing. Comparing children that are separated who are going to be reunited, hopefully, you know, again, a lot of these kids are reunited, or a lot of these kids that are in those cages are actually being trafficked through. But the end goal, if we're supposed to believe the government anyway, <coughs> excuse me, is to actually try to safeguard their safety. But it's equally clumsy. You're still comparing children whose parents were massacred during wartime with kids who have been separated as their, you know, from their parents as they crossed the border. It's an equally clumsy juxtaposition. Now, getting back to just very quickly, and then I'll, I'll wrap up on this topic, but I do also want to get it back to the fact that, as I said, people calling this anti-Semitic is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. There's nothing anti-Semitic about it. And you know how I know that? Because Gina Carano, after Disney fired her, just inked a new deal with the Daily Wire. And who runs the Daily Wire? Who was on social media touting the fact that they just inked her as the star in a movie they will produce? Oh, Ben Super Jew Shapiro. You don't get Jewier than Ben Shapiro. He is a, you know, he is like pro-Israel up the ass. He, you know, it's like you can barely even have a conversation with Ben Shapiro where you could bring up rights for Palestinians because he will jump down your throat. He's so pro-Israel, pro-Jew, pro, you know, that shows you 
that all this hoopla, all this saying it's anti-Semitic is just nonsense. Nothing in that post is anti-Semitic. Using a historical context to make a point is not anti-Semitic, nor should it get you canceled. And on top of that, let's also just remember that, and the Hollywood Reporter did an article basically confirming this fact, Disney was looking for a reason to get rid of her because she had famously, Gina Carano had famously pushed back against the trans woke mob when they tried to force her into putting she slash her in her profile. Now, I don't know if they wanted to do this because they wanted to make people aware that she was not uh, gay because I don't think she's gay. I don't really know. And frankly, I don't, as I've said before, I don't really care because if if she's gay and she got the role, I fine. I don't care. I don't care. Um, But they wanted to force her into putting she, her in her bio as the trans mob has been trying to force everybody to do to normalize this whole thing and make these uh, these extra identifiers something that everybody uses. So it's not an odd thing that they force you to do it or that they're doing it. She refused. She said, this is silly. I'm not going to go and put that in there. So instead, she made a joke and put beep, bop, boop in there. Right. Funny response to a really what should not be a even something that is brought up as a uh, a trending topic in our society, nor something that should get people in trouble and have a mob of people try to get her fired over. Simply putting pronouns into your name, something that we didn't used to do until you know activists got involved two years ago, and now you see it in every uh, every signature you get from certain organizations. So Disney was on the warpath looking for a reason to fire her. This was a convenient excuse to do so. So there you go. Gina Carano, I wish you nothing but the best over this ridiculous scenario. I do think it's interesting as well uh, to transition to the next thing I want to talk about. But I do think it's interesting to notice that the normalization of the term Nazi has, of course, come about during the Trump era. The normalization of racism has been going on for some time where it involves people from the left. It was their go-to phrase to try to demonize somebody because in American society, especially now, being called a racist is a heinous thing. Everybody fights back against that tooth and nail or else 99.9, you know, more percentage of the population that is immune to COVID pushes back against racism in all of its forms as we have been brought to do and brought to think. And for the right purposes, I agree. People probably shouldn't be racist. However, they normalize that term where it now means almost nothing when you call somebody a racist because the bar has been set so low. The same thing has happened with fascism, where now they call Donald Trump a fascist. They call anybody that votes against you know the new Green Deal a fascist. You've got Antifa, who are the most fascisty fascists that have ever fascisted out there, not even cognizant of what their what their meaning is, shutting down free speech and advocating for the government to take control of this, that, and the other one, you know, literally buying into fascism. So they've normalized that term, but Nazi as well has been, you know, Hitler comparisons have been normalized. The left has thrown them out nonstop during the last four years. So it is extra fascinating that now they've forgotten all that. And now you are not permitted to make that comparison. The left has made itself into the de facto uh, arbiters of what truth is, what words mean, when they can and can't be used. And that leads me into the next topic, namely that because of the creation, I guess, of fake media, which has always been around by the by fake media goes all the way back to the National Enquirer. Remember Bat Boy? But in a larger extent, news media 
being quote unquote trustworthy or untrustworthy wasn't really questioned that much until recent times, the, basically the advent of the internet. I talked about in other episodes how the cathedral, how these gatekeepers want to maintain their stranglehold on information, how it's given out, and how the narrative is dictated. And that's why they're cracking down on online media sites. That's why you see purges and deplatformings and demonetizations of places like Zero Hedge. Of I think it was, God, what was it? Ron Paul, you know, removed from Facebook. There were some other organizations too that were even funnier. I think antiwar.com got its advertising removed at one point. It was in that list that was put out by some hack organization about the top disinformation media sites. So you see them trying to claw back their control over this narrative. So they want to make sure that they are the arbiters of what is real and what is not real. And that now is coming to the forefront as the Democrats have control of the House and, of course, have a tiebreaker with Kamala Harris in the Senate. They're tossing forth all sorts of crazy bills. One such bill happens to be a Democratic lawmaker's push to differentiate and put into schooling curriculums how to tell the difference between what's quote-unquote real news and what's fake news. They point to the ridiculous instances found during the last election cycle. All the things that led Democrats to say that Russia helped the election. Uh, (laughs) Several people who I know to be intelligent still parrot, well, Trump had some help from Russia getting elected the first time. So they, say, they cite these examples. They cite other examples of just general opposition media to the Democratic establishment media as reasons which kids need now to learn how to tell the difference. And they say that 80% of children can't tell the difference between authentic news and created slash advertisements online. Now, let me point out that in itself probably applies to 80% of the general public. That in itself is also something that I don't see how you're going to change regardless because you're going to have an adaptable industry which has enticed and Facebook entices them to create narratives that look like real news. We we see it in virtually all media formats. What do you think an infomercial is? Idiots. What do you think it is? These lawmakers who, who are pretending that this is something new and creative. That is not going to come from sitting kids down And telling them what the difference is between real and fake media, because you know what that is going to turn into in a liberal, lefty, progressive controlled education system with the people writing the bill being on the far left side of the spectrum. It is clearly going to turn into a anything coming from the establishment media sources, which we control is real. Anything outside of those parameters is fake. Right? Is there any doubt about this? And I'll tell you why this is especially shocking and hilarious. Well, I can't say shocking. Why this is especially hilarious coming from the Democrats right after I tell you about Zipix toothpicks. Oh, I love them. I'm eating one right now. Eating. (laughs) Literally literally not just sucking on it. I'm chewing it. I'm swallowing it into my guts so that it may process food and help me uh, digest like chickens that eat uh, pebbles. But no, Zipix Toothpicks, guys, Z-I-P-P-I-X toothpicks.com, uh, nicotine-infused toothpicks. I am, today, I am uh, chewing, but when I'm, when I'm not spitting hot truth at you, I am chewing on a sweet wood-flavored nicotine toothpick. Now, these were developed in a lab. They are FDA-registered. This company's been around for a while. These are products that are not going to, uh, to bite you in the ass. They are true to what you get. Two milligrams or three milligrams. And what's great about them 
you just kind of twirl them around, you give them, you know, suck on them, you get that buzz. And it really helps if you're trying to quit smoking or just if you don't want to be smoking all the time. You know, let's say you're on a trip. Let's say you're just hanging out in public or you don't want to just be lighting up. And God knows, you know, the public and the government and everything else is turned against smoking, vaping and everything else under the sun. You have one of these toothpicks. Great hand to mouth feel. So if you have that craving and have that urge, it really helps you kind of kick that. But also, as I've been touting, the B12 caffeine toothpicks they have are a life saver. I mean, I can't tell you the difference for me personally. I can't say this, but for me personally, they make in how my hangovers hit me. It is like night and day, my friends. So use promo code LION at checkout to get yourself 10% off that first order. Uh, if you want, you know, you can re-up with them really easily. They'll just send you shipment at intervals of your choosing. So check them out. Great sponsor of the show. I love them. And I think you will too. So. Getting back into this, I just, you know, I was reading these stories as I've talked about on the show before with Howie Snowden, who you just heard, well, you heard everybody on Mark's 500th episode of the uh, Lions of Liberty flagship show, which if you didn't hear that, this is a two-parter. I was on for the first half of it, and then it was like a three-hour show on a Monday night, so I uh, bid adieu after about 90 minutes, but the show kept on going, and <laughs> yes, Tom Woods and I did discuss the Schneidering that occurred. But yeah, check that out. But, you know, Howie Snowden's on there. who got us all into liberty. And the man finds all these news links and sends them. If you're on our Patreon at $15 or more, you can get those news links sent to you every day. And it's hundreds of links from both sides of the political spectrum. A lot of libertarian stuff in there as well. In addition, a lot of crypto stuff if you're into crypto. So Howie sends all these links. And I'm reading back to back, right? I see this bill that this asshole wants to put forth to further indoctrinate children into the leftist mindset and the worship of the cathedral and its news outlets. And at the same time, I'm looking at what's going on in the Trump impeachment. And the Democrats put together this overwrought scare tactic video, right? <laughs> it reminded me one of my favorite Christmas movies is Scrooge. Actually, here, I'm, let me play this intro for you real quick from Scrooge and their... <laughs> their awesome commercial that Bill Murray's character puts together to scare people into watching it because it reminded me exactly what the Democrats are trying to achieve. I am the youngest president in the history of television for a reason. I know the people. Well, uh, granted, but the people already want to watch the show. That isn't good enough! They have got to be so scared to miss it, so terrified. Now, if I were in charge, and I am, <laughs> perhaps I can help you. Here's the kind of thing I would have done. Grace, cue it up. addiction, international terrorism, freeway killers, now more than ever it's it is important to remember the true, true meaning of, of Christmas. Christmas. Don't miss Charles Dickens' immortal classic, Scrooge. Your life might just depend on it. Not bad, huh? If you don't impeach Donald Trump, 
Who knows what could come for you? Your life might just depend on it. I mean, Jesus Christ, it was literally that overwrought. I'm not, I'm not going to play the whole thing on here, but it's just that kind of memory in my mind. And of course, what was included within that scare tactic video, our good old friend, the good people on both sides hoax. Once again, mixed in there, even though we know for a fact it's on video, it is indisputable that he did not say it in regards to people marching. He did not say it in defense of Nazis. He did not say it to try to make people think that white supremacists were good people. He specifically said it about people trying to tear down or maintain statues related to Confederates and or old people in the South. But the Democrats want you to be sure that they can be trusted to tell you what's real, what's fake, what is authentic, and what is inauthentic, what is real news and fake news, as they literally trot out a fucking hoax in the middle of a presidential impeachment hearing. Now, Donald Trump was acquitted. The Senate did not vote to impeach him, as we know would not happen anyway. The Democrats are not going to get to Stop Donald Trump from running again in 2024, which he is threatening to do. I don't know. I don't see it happening, but what do I know? I have to think at that point, I don't know. Trump's going to be like 70-something. You know, he's going to be old. He's going to be even chunkier. He's going to have even more McDonald's in him. I don't see him going through this whole rigmarole. I don't think his family necessarily wants to. But then again, Eric Trump is out there still banging the drums. He says they're going to be very involved. You know I me, mean? I said Trump should start his own media hosting company. Because people would flock to it to get hosting that they couldn't get removed if they have conservative viewpoints. But shit, I don't know. But it's entertaining to see now the Democrats lose their minds. Of course, celebrities were ripping their hair out and calling this a a travesty and calling our favorite word fascists, calling everybody that voted to acquit Trump fascist, despite the fact that there is literal no way you can prove that Trump incited this riot. In fact, people are saying that it was known to Pelosi and others that there was plans to have this, uh, I don't know, they're calling it an insurgency into the Capitol building well before it happened, that the FBI had intelligence on this before it happened, and yet it was permitted to happen. Donald Trump gave the speech where he told people to protest peacefully after the people had already tried to get in, after this whole thing was in motion. There's no possible way. And like I referenced last show, Rand Paul went out there and said, look, if we're going to condemn a man and say that using the words fight over the period of your political career is somehow grounds for incitement and grounds for putting somebody, you know, impeaching somebody, but not only that, to a criminal procedure, which is now what the Democrats are talking about, more money well spent, right? And having a commission. They're going to have a commission, guys. Just like the 911 commission, 911 commission, just like that that special counsel that they had look into the whole Russiagate conspiracy. They're going to have another exercise in futility to try to go after him on criminal proceedings. I mean, this is all it's all it is is placating the base. All it is is throwing red meat to the media media obsessed morons that have been buying this whole thing from the start and just giving them more feel, you know, feel for the echo chamber. This is ridiculous. Move on. Move on from this shit, please. And I'm going to move on from this shit, too, and talk about some other things before we wrap up this episode. I do want to talk real quick about uh, Dave Chappelle, because as you know, well, actually, you might not know this. Dave Chappelle went out and got he had COVID, right? Because he's been doing live shows. 
Now, Chappelle, I don't agree with him on everything. I did agree with him on several points. You know, I reviewed his comedy special when it came out. Uh, I will put that episode if you want to listen back to it. Because I know we have a lot of new listeners. Uh, God, I think we've added about a thousand listeners over the last few months, which is great. But I'll put it in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to my review of his comedy special. Uh, I also did another show talking about 846 when he had come out about Black Lives Matter. Uh, but that's just a shorter segment. So I'll, I'll put the whole show if you want to listen to my review of his last comedy special. And the show notes, which are at lionsofliberty.com slash E, no, slash episodes <laughs> slash ELL216. But Chappelle did a live show because he said, I'm not going to stop doing live shows. He's been out there much like the uh, the Rob Schneiders of the world doing shows where he's permitted to do shows. And naturally, you had these COVID cult members rooting for him to get COVID. And he was out there on stage and he did a bit basically saying, look, you people are fucking cowards. All you assholes that are rooting for me to get it, to have severe complications from it. And now you're hiding inside your houses. And guess what? Since I'm feeling lazy, my jaw hurts. I'm going to play you a clip of that. When a hero stumbles, well, the cowards rejoice. Nothing feels better to a coward than to watch a brave guy fall. Now, you guys might have seen in the news that I caught coronavirus recently, and and then I did. Whoops. (laughs) I did. Because in the beginning of the pandemic, I talked to a guy in the live entertainment business and I said, when can we go back to work? He said, probably sometime in 2022. And I said, there's no way I can wait that long. And I just tried to find a way that I could work. You see what we've been doing. All of you who had to endure this invasive test and wear these masks just so we could be out and hang out and be together. I tried. And after all these months, after doing all these shows, God damn it, my number was up, and then I had the Rona. Oh. <laughs> Cowards rejoice at a time like this because they're so invested in being afraid. And when I said I had the coronavirus, the overwhelming majority of people wished me well. Said, we hope you get better. Take care of yourself. We don't want anything bad to happen to you. But there was a faction of people the cowards who said, you see that, Dave Chappelle? That's why we stay inside where it's safe and we never try anything. Well, enjoy yourselves, mother because I'm better now. God bless that man. God bless you, Dave Chappelle. And by the way, if you guys want to hear, uh, I did an episode where I basically recapped and reviewed his entire last special and I'll put that in the show notes at lionsofliberty.com slash episodes slash ELL216. You can find that there. I also did a little bit on his 846 little special he did. Um, that was shorter of a recap, but I'll pop that there too. Uh, if you guys want to hear that as well, I know a lot of you have come to the show recently. We're up about a thousand listeners over the last couple months, which is awesome. So thank you for listening. And please keep sharing the show, guys. Please keep uh, telling people about it sending people our way. We do appreciate that. But, I mean, Chappelle nails it. He's out here. You know, a lot of people's lives, comedians, of course, among those people, these performers who need to be live, you know, there's now some adaptation where people are doing drive-in movie theaters and they're Zooming. But if you're a comic, doing a show on Zoom sucks. Sucks. 
Because you can't have the crowd noise in there or else you're going to have people chattering over it. You're not going to be able to hear anything. It's just not the same. So Chappelle fights. He goes like, fuck that. I'm going out there. I'm performing. And he's right. You do have the people that are the most cowardly among us championing his death, right? They want to say, please die, Dave Chappelle, because that would prove their cowardice correct. And I like how Chappelle nails the fact that cowards are the ones who don't want to take that risk. Cowards never accomplish anything. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, actually, I can't say that. Maybe there's an agoraphobe out there who was the one that created Zoom and creates all this technology where we don't have to go outside ever. Maybe DoorDash and everything else was created by these agoraphobes. But for the most part, the brave are the ones on the forefront of discovery, of innovation, doing everything that we want to accomplish in society. And he nails the fact that these people, these fucking cowards, that cheer for the worst outcomes to basically to show that they made the right choice. Because all these lockdowns that have destroyed people's lives, that have caused massive spikes in suicide among adults and children. When you see children massively depressed now, you're seeing all sorts of drugs being given to these kids, let alone we don't know, you know, just how many kids turn out to be psycho murderers because of the drugs they're now being prescribed. I just read a recent article where parents that are at home with these kids who are somehow supposed to be convinced to sit around, you know, kids in kindergarten, kids in elementary school, to sit at a computer for eight hours. Well, shocker, they don't want to sit there. So now they're trying to get ADHD drugs prescribed to them all the time. Lovely. But people have this seeing their businesses shut down. People that have turned to become alcoholics. We're seeing drug overdoses skyrocket because of this. We're seeing massive generational wealth loss because of this. But these COVID cult cowards sit there and cheer for the deaths because that is the only thing that can make them feel okay with what they've done because they know at their heart of hearts that this shit is fucked up. They know that they need some reason, something to point to, to say, you see, we had to do this because people would have died in mass, even though every stat we see now shows that that is bullshit, that this is all but a farce that it's absolutely unnecessary, that this thing would have run its course no matter what. You see the virus go up and down in every place, regardless of the pandemic lockdowns or not, regardless of how many masks they wore or not, regardless of whether they limited people's ability to go to bars and restaurants or what precautions they took. California had massive surges. Massive. Compared to Florida, oh yeah, Florida's just fine. They've been open forever. There's places all over the country where you can go in, sit at a bar, sit next to somebody, you don't have a partition between you. You don't have to sit outside six feet away from people. But these cultists need, for their ego, for their self-worth, they need this bullshit narrative of COVID being a mass-murdering monster to be true. They need Dave Chappelle to die so that they can live with themselves. And Dave Chappelle's out here telling them to stick it right up their goddamn asses. And I love the fact that he's out here. I love the fact that he's one of the people making a stand publicly about this. And yeah, I know. He's got, he's got fuck you money. He's Dave Chappelle. He can say that. He doesn't have to worry about being canceled. But at the same time, would, it be, would he have become the fuck you Dave Chappelle we know if he didn't have the guts to say this stuff from the beginning? And as a longtime fan of everything he's done, I say no. I say that he... He got to where he is because he's brave, because he's intelligent, because he'll say those things that need to be said. And thank God he's got a platform to do it with. Now, wrapping up, I mentioned the, uh, you know, I, I referenced schools. And I saw a couple articles recently where, you know, some schools are going back, but some of them, 
because parents are saying we need to have our kids socially interacting, they're depressed wrecks that are losing their social skills sitting around the house and <laughs> being forced to sit in a chair in front of a computer. Things that, by the way, tell me which is worse. You know, we're told that we have to get up and we have to get outside, that people are dying in America, that obesity is on the rise, and that walking is something that has to be done. You're not, No longer can you sit in front of a computer or a television for hours on end because it's horrible for your entire body, your circulatory system. You're getting deep vein thrombosis in your legs. Our hearts are wearing out because you're not moving, you're sitting. And yet we're being told that children have to sit in front of computers for eight hours a day on Zooms with their teachers, who, by the way, haven't missed a goddamn check this entire time, while, they, while getting the best health care and be able to retire at a nice early age. But these teachers' unions, you know, are, are so resistant to going back to school. And the same teachers' unions, which known genius, the genius of Chicago, the bright shining gemstone of the Windy City intellectual elite, Lori Lightfoot, says that, Teachers unions need to operate as though they were a political party. Hey, bitch, I got a wake up call for you. They are a political party and it's called the Democratic Party. Virtually all the money for the Democratic Party comes from teachers unions and other broad based unions. Although unlike teachers unions, which still stick to the Democratic ticket, no matter what, the other unions started to jump ship. Because of the lockdowns, that's right, because you destroyed their livelihoods by forcing their industries to alter and change and forcing them to stay inside their houses. But these teachers unions now have made a deal with some of these different states and, and, and local governments where I'm, I saw a story where children are allowed to go back to school, right, in this, in this massive school district, wherein they had to, I don't know if they're paying these people, I don't know if they're volunteers, but they hired something like 800 classroom monitors to go and sit with the kids in school. Why? Oh, because the kids are still going to get dropped off there, but they have to sit six feet apart. And then they just sit in school being monitored in front of the same computers. But that way the parents can go to work. Now, maybe this is a better solution. Maybe the people that are that are monitors there, like I said, maybe they're not paid. Maybe they're volunteers. Maybe they're parental volunteers. Maybe they're community volunteers. I don't know. All I know is 800 people now are sitting, watching children still sit in front of a computer. It's just in the classrooms now. And somehow we're supposed to believe that this is better for the kids. I guess they can kind of socialize. I mean, I suppose I'd prefer it to them sitting at home alone, but why are the teachers not in the classrooms? We know that the child, child uh, transmission of the virus is so absurdly low as though to be almost impossible. We know because studies have been done ad nauseum about the effects of teachers in classrooms and how they said it's one of the lowest possible transmission locations of any job. Yet everybody else is trying to get out there, go to work, but not these fucking teachers who want to sit at home on their asses and just wake up, roll out of bed, and then sit in front of a computer and teach their class every day. We know the effects that this has had on children because the failure rate throughout America, throughout, basically everywhere that's been doing this Zoom teaching, failure rates went up something to, it feels like the average was like 23% and now it's like 56. That's cool. Half the kids failing. Nice job, teachers. Nice job, school districts. Yeah, let's let these people operate even more as a political party. But because these cowards are still getting paid, they want to make sure that they stick to their guns because it's so dangerous, right? 
How could they go out there and risk themselves? They say they're in it for the kids. They say they're teaching because they believe in molding the future, that they're heroes. Dave Chappelle is out there. I'm not going to say he's a hero for what he's doing, but I'll tell you he's a hell of a lot more heroic than any teacher that's sitting at home in front of a computer that could be in the classroom. And I know I'm going to get some people to say, "Why, well, Brian, you don't want people to go back and be indoctrinated. No, I don't. I'd rather people, you know, have their own homeschool or go to, to charter schools or do whatever, use the Ron Paul curriculum. And thank you to Dr. Ron Paul for giving us such a nice uh, shout out, by the way. He recorded a nice few minute long video congratulating Mark and the, the rest of us on reaching 500 episodes. Uh, it's very touching. If you didn't hear that at the beginning of the 500th episode, go back and listen to that. But, you know, understandably, not everybody can homeschool. I know there's no way I could do it. Our daughter is in daycare now, you know, because there's my wife and I both work and there's no way with our jobs that we could do it. It's just, there's no way. Uh, Los Angeles is way too expensive a market. We both need to work full-time and we both need to make decent money full-time to be able to afford a house and afford everything else here in Los Angeles. I mean, if your situation is not that, God bless you. We're seeing tons of people go register for homeschooling or look at other options. We're seeing bills, like I discussed on last episode, pushing money to students rather than to teachers' unions and rather than towards educational institutions. That's awesome. In the meantime, hope Dave Chappelle keeps it up. Curious to see what happens with Gina Carano. I would love it if more uh, conservative media, not shill, by the way, not like religious right bullshit uh, <laughs> Kirk Cameron's, you know, of the world media. I don't need to see Jennifer Garner in any more fucking movies where a dog dies and God comes down and cures the girl's cancer so she can go up. <laughs> the plot of these movies are always the same. A girl falls out of a tree and God intervenes. <laughs> the God tree coming to Netflix. But I would like to see more, at least, if not conservative, just neutral. Stop pushing woke bullshit. Listen, you know, entertain voices that are not on the woke left. Stop only hiring actor, uh, actors, actresses, writers, everything else that are that have to be black, super lesbian, trans, you know, whatever it might be. Just how about just going on the strength of the project, the strength of the writing? Can we just get back to, to, to making entertainment again for entertainment's sake? And that's what we do here with Lions of Liberty, guys. Clearly unbiased, <laughs> entertaining. <laughs> uh, I will plug Bravo and Beer again. And thank you. I yelled at you last episode, rightly, those of you uh, who did not listen to Bravo and Beer, the show that I do with Rico and Odie, where we do some TV reality recaps. It's hilarious. I popped a, uh, actually, we're going to do a Saturday bonus show coming out where we answer questions from people that gave us five-star reviews on iTunes. That will be publishing Saturday. Sorry for the delay in that. With all the different shows, we're trying not to uh, cannibalize our own listens. And now with Felony, or not Felony Friday, with Finding Freedom coming out on Thursdays, uh, the best time for us to do these bonuses is Saturday. So Saturday, listen to that. I put a clip in the middle of that show. You can hear about Bravo and Beer. I'm telling you, it's great. So thank you. I did see a boost in those numbers, guys. So thank you to those who did subscribe. For those of you that haven't, you burn in hell. Cowards! You're cowards rooting for us to fail. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it, guys. Uh, from me, uh, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty.